and welcome to Department 29A. I'm Shosh. And I'm Megan. And we're two best friends who have a lot to say. This week, we are going to drink pomegranate green tea by the Republic of Tea. While we talk about the podcast, The Problem with Jon Stewart. We're going to talk about the Carl's Duology by Hank Green. And we'll end the show with things we just couldn't stop thinking about this week, which for me has been the difference between being kind and being nice. And for Shosh has been passports. So Shosh, what do you think of this pomegranate green tea? So we decided to do this one because last week we did a pomegranate green tea from Cami, and we wanted to compare them. And surprisingly, I really like this one also. I didn't actually expect to love either one and both of them are really good. And they are similar because they're both pomegranate green teas but this one has a bit stronger flavor it's a bit more I don't know rich or bold I suppose also mild on the green tea stronger on the pomegranate and the color is a lot different so last week it was more of a green tea color and this week is more of a pomegranate color I did not choose to ice this one like I did last week Mm -hmm. with the other one but I think that this one actually might work better as an iced tea because the Mm -hmm. flavor is a bit stronger which also feels weird to say because this is a republic of tea tea and theirs are notoriously weak tea so I'm a little confused about that (laughs) but I mean it's good I did leave the bag in so I didn't follow their directions for timing which I think were one to three minutes. Mm -hmm, I've just left it in. But even still, sometimes when we leave the Republic of Tea bag, Republic of Tea tea bags in, it's still a more mild flavor. And this one feels a lot stronger than most of theirs. So Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've actually, I enjoy both of them. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I agree. They're two very different teas with the same name. (laughs) Um. This one does say organic green tea with potent pomegranate. So maybe that's why there's actually a little bit more flavor in here than normal as they've provided the warning for that. The hibiscus, I think, also brings out the pomegranate because there's a little hibiscus in here. Yeah, good call on that. Mm -hmm. I did go ahead and take out the tea bag just because I was afraid that the pomegranate would get too strong because sometimes like when it's gets really strong it starts to have like cranberry-esque bitterness and while I do like bitter I don't always want it to be that bitter (laughs) Um, but I really like this and we'll definitely uh, drink it and I want to try it over ice yeah I think this one actually like I said would be better than the other one iced Mm -hmm. but it's got a little sweetness to it a little tartness to it The green tea bite is not there, so that's really nice. Yeah, I'd say this is a win. This one would also be prettier as an iced tea because the color is nice. (laughs) Not that that really affects anything, but I'm just saying. Yeah, it's hibiscus tea colored, so kind of a, you know, mauve color. It's really pretty. Yep. Agreed. Yep all right so we listened to when we recorded or at least when we listened to it it was the most recent episode of the problem with john stewart it was from i believe april 5th 
So it may not be the most recent episode now, but it was when we listened to it. And it was all about the indictments of Trump, how we got there, what is happening with them. And he brought on two experts. I think one was from Yale. I don't remember where the other one was from. And they discussed the law and history. And I loved it. (laughs) I particularly loved the part where they were reframing the Republican position as defunding the police. And then talked about all the ways in which they've done that by defunding the IRS and actually defunding the larger government agencies that would fund police stations and your local level. And I was like, why hasn't anyone said that to me before? That's brilliant. And so true. And they had a really interesting conversation about wage theft and how that differs or is the same as if someone pickpocketed you essentially um actual theft i I don't know actual seems like the wrong word because so maybe literal literal wallet theft versus wage theft so and then they talk about the two-tiered justice system that is in the united states so it was a good conversation they covered a lot of ground in an hour yeah they did yeah but it didn't feel like overwhelming or like I didn't, I never felt stupid, even though they were definitely very intelligent men who were holding this conversation. Yeah. I think that was my biggest takeaway was just, I love Jon Stewart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved him when he was on the daily show. I I mean, he's popped up in things. Obviously it's not like he's gone away, but I didn't actually know that he had a show on Apple TV or I mean, I followed this podcast a while ago and then also promptly forgot about it. Like a lot of (laughs) podcasts when I find them or hear about them. So I didn't really know, but I I will say though, I was, I think I prefer to watch Jon Stewart. I think just because I'm used to watching him and I used to Mm. love him so much on the daily versus listening to him in the podcast, but I didn't dislike it. I just, it made me want the daily show back. So, but that, that was my takeaway though, is just Jon Stewart is still amazing so intelligent so quick has really great conversations you know he always knows so much and is so prepared he makes things funny and interesting while also being informative and giving you real information and yeah I just really like him so I enjoyed the conversation too some of it wasn't new when they were talking about you know some things like I think that was if you're black you're 18 times more likely to be tried than getting I can't remember oh, what it was an called adult, right yeah <laughs> versus getting a um there was a name oh, I'm totally blanking out essentially the, the, rather than having the easier way out right rather than being tried as a either not tried at all or tried as a juvenile yeah but there's like a like a plan you can do instead of actually you know being tried that I'm forgetting the name on yeah but so there are things like that that obviously we have heard before and are no surprise and stuff but it was still really interesting within the context of the whole discussion and yeah I I enjoyed it and 
I liked it because there were several times where they were very sort of passionate about what they were talking about. And Mm -hmm. I like it when people get worked up and you can feel (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Feel Mm -hmm. it. So yeah, so it was good. It was good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and you're right. Like lots of it wasn't necessarily new in the sense of we know that President, former President Trump is being treated very differently than someone who wouldn't have been president and that there is a precedence for people who are president to believe they should be above the law. And there is some legal precedence that allows presidents not to be sued for actions they took as president. And that seems very fair to me. Um, Doesn't, because, you know, if Congress wages war, I don't feel like the president should be sued for the actions that are then done through that war. So I respect that. But the but the decisions and the actions that Trump is being indicted for, he did not do in the name of the country. Right. No, I agree. Because if you're the president, and you are always under the threat, essentially, of you know, like persecution for any decision that you make, especially if something goes wrong or you authorize something and then someone else does something bad because of that, even though you, you know what I mean? So you've sort of authorized something, but not necessarily had a direct hand in it. You know, it's like, you can't, you have to be able to make hard decisions and do what you think is right, even though sometimes that will turn out to be the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But that's not what was happening here because if you're making you know decisions in good faith even if they turn out to be bad what you genuinely think is the best for the country especially with the information that you have that's way different than you know doing stuff for your own gain right lining your own pockets just to line your own pockets exactly and breaking you know, rules and past precedent. And because, you know, there's a lot of things that even if they aren't technically rules, there is precedent that has been set that all presidents follow. And he's just like, nope, I don't care. I'm going to do this. And there are rules like the emoluments mm-hmm. clause and things, which has to do with gifts and making money and those sorts of things that he just blatantly didn't care about and so yeah all the things that trump did are not any of the things that presidents usually would get leeway for and sort of be you know if you will above the law Mm -hmm. so yeah and it's frustrating that trump thinks he should be above the law It, it is very frustrating I have to say, I mean, this is a little bit going off topic, but there's a lot of legal things happening that are going to come to a head like <sighs> any time now, like any time. I mean, maybe by the time this comes out, we will even know. I'm, I'm not sure, but I am both excited to see what happens because I feel like finally, finally, he might be held to account, which is what needs to happen because you can't just let him get away with it and set the precedent that it's okay to be a criminal essentially Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then on the other hand I'm also a little bit worried about what's going to happen from that because I don't know how if he is held to account how people are going to react Mm -hmm. especially when you have like the legislature in Georgia passing rules that says they can essentially get rid of the prosecutor because they don't if they don't like her 
Yeah. So I don't just don't know how things are going to play out. And that is also a little bit scary or a little scary that he's not going to get held to account. And again, yeah. then you're setting the precedent that that's okay, especially when he's going to run to be president again. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So also all those freaking Republicans, especially the ones who were supposed to be the moderates or the independents who were like, he'll, he'll um, pay for this. It'll, he'll learn. It'll never happen. And now look what's happening. If you had impeached him, he would not be allowed to be president again, and you would not even have to worry about this. I'm looking at you people like Susan Collins and, you know, all you ridiculous people. Mitch McConnell, <laughs> who even was like not on his side after January 6th, and was like, he'll get his due. It'll come. But I don't have to be the one to do it. Yeah, it's all mm-hmm. crap. I'm mm-hmm. looking at you, all you Republicans. You've done this. Yeah. Yeah, had so many chances to make different decisions and never did. And the worst part is, is the majority of the Republicans, I don't think even like him. No. I mean, obviously more and more because more and more MAGA people, like the more MAGA stuff has spread, more and more of them have ended up in Congress. So obviously in that respect, he has a bigger following. But like in general, especially at the beginning, the Republican Party did not like him. So I do not understand why. They have just completely fallen into line and I don't know, continued. Yeah. It's a weird system because they like, if you imagine mathematically that the country is split 50 50, it's not, but let's just do the math there because it's math I can do. Of their 50%, 30% of that is MAGA. So it's, it's you know in some ways i like i'm like yeah but that means 70 percent of the rest of your electorate is not maga but i guess they just can't convince the other 70 percent to like join together to be a larger group and so i guess somehow the 30 percent wins it's weird to me but especially at the beginning i i just don't feel like the following was like as intense and solidified if they could have just banded together then and sort of stood up to him you know when you had people like ted cruz who didn't like him and trump was making fun of his family and coming up with conspiracy theories about his father and saying mean things about his wife and whatever if you could have had at that point in time all those people stand up to him like there were more of them than Mm, trump Well, and I mean, even instead, now, though, like they only have thirty percent of their party. So, what are the right. other seventy percent doing? Powering <laughs> yeah, in don't. fear? I just don't get it. I don't get it either. Makes no sense. All right, sorry, I took us way off topic. I think, <laughs> but it right. still just baffles me. I just, I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I can get it in the sense that at the time he didn't seem like a big threat, so he's kind of annoying. You kind of swat at him. But then he won. But I don't understand, like, now, like, you know he's a problem. And you know he only has 30% of your base. Mathematically, that means there's 70% out there that you don't have to, like, rally, but you just have to prove that, hey, I'm a better option. But that 30% is the loudest. Well, sure, but who cares? Like, as long as the 70% votes, I don't care how loud you are, your vote's the same. It's harder to ignore Oh, for sure. But you know, this totally reminds me. 
I just thought of a thing that I couldn't stop thinking about and I thought would be good to talk about and then forgot and did not remember, but I can talk about it now anyways. On the most recent episode of Pod Save the UK, they were talking about democracy vouchers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've listened to it, but I was like, this is a brilliant idea. Everybody should just go to democracy vouchers. So the idea sort of in a nutshell, I'm not an expert, is essentially you give all of your all the constituents a voucher worth a certain amount of money whatever that is yeah $10 $20 or whatever and then every single person chooses the candidate that they want to give it to and that's how you get your money in politics so you cut out all of these crazy giant donors and essentially then that means all of the politicians really have to move to the community because they need all of the community support because that's how you would get your money to fund your campaign. And then all of the pr- people are more of a participant because it actually matters where they're putting their money or choosing not to use their voucher. And th- the politicians are then beholden to the communities rather than to all these giant donors. Yeah. And, and I'm like, this is an amazing idea. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is a great idea. I was like, I want to do that. Everywhere should do that. Yeah. It makes and then so we could much do more tiered- sense. Tiered- tiered voting so that you can yes 100 I love 100 percent yeah I wish they would do that it makes so much more sense mm-hmm. I love it oh but back to John Stewart <laughs> sorry who I think would appreciate our conversation so it is all good I, I really appreciated so. oh yeah I really appreciated the discussion of like wage theft and how it's this like le- almost legalized theft for companies to do just because we treat companies like people which shouldn't happen but whatever and you know when you're trying to save money you're like oh well you're trying to save money so you can stay alive we understand that so you can go ahead and shirk your employees lame mm-hmm. But if anybody was like, hey, I'm more needy than you, so I'm going to walk past you and steal a dollar or five or whatever money is in your wallet, you would expect them to have to go to jail. But if your employer does it, it's fine. I don't think I could say anything that would uh, better sum that up. Mm -mm. But it's good to know that there are people out there at Yale and other like democracy centers who are working who see the issue and they're working to find solutions. Doesn't mean we have one right now, but that's okay. Because smart people are working on them. Yeah. And hopefully they can solve some of these problems because there's a lot of problems in the world right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I will definitely keep listening and I will maybe even go back and watch the show on Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, if I had Apple TV, I would definitely check out the show. Because like I said, I kind of missed seeing Jon Stewart in mm-hmm. the podcast. So, but yeah, it was definitely a good one. All right. Do you want to tell us about The Carls? All right. The Carls is a duology written by Hank Green. The first book is titled An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. The second book is titled a beautifully foolish endeavor. I'll just go ahead and read the description for the first one. The Carls just appeared. 
roaming through New York City at 3 a.m., 23-year-old April May stumbles across a giant sculpture. Delighted by its appearance and craftsmanship, like a 10-foot-tall transformer wearing a suit of samurai armor, April and her best friend Andy make a video with it, which Andy uploads to YouTube. The next day, April wakes up to a viral video and a new life. News quickly spreads that there are Carls in dozens of cities around the world, from Beijing to Buenos Aires, and April, as their first documentarian, finds herself at the center of an intense international media spotlight. Seizing the opportunity to make her mark on the world, April now has to deal with the consequences her new particular brand of fame has on her relationships, her safety, and her own identity. And all eyes are on April to figure out not just what the Carls are, but what they want from us. It's so good. So good. I I know this is going to sound so stupid, but I had no idea that Hank Green could write so well. <laughs> I know that sounds awful, but I just think of him more as an online sort of science guy presence. Mm -hmm. And when I think about authors, I obviously think of his brother, John Green. That isn't in any way meant to sort of disrespect Hank, but just until I actually read these, I, I mean, for a long time, I didn't even know he was an author. I just, like I said, I think of him so much sort of science and internet-based. Mm -hmm. And so it was such a surprise to read these and be like, these are so freaking good. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. This book also came out in 2018. So maybe we just missed some things from 2018. We missed. I know, right? Week. What's we going on? Um, Ezra, George Ezra's show starting in 2018. We missed the book that came out in 2018. I don't know. I know, right? Where were we in 2018? Living our lives. Not Apparently. as connected as we are now. Guess um, not. Don't know. It's crazy. But this book and the one that follows. I mean, so hold on. Going back to what you just said. I remember like my first thought when I realized that Hank had also read a book, I was like, ooh, he's like treading on his brother's territory. <laughs> I was like, I don't Which know is what funny. John's gonna think about that. <laughs> no, but you know what's funny? John does maybe not as much online stuff, but John Green does a lot of online stuff with like in general and with mm -hmm. Hank, I yeah. mean, they do vlog brothers and stuff together and always have. So I don't know why in my mind, Hank is like the internet techie guy <laughs> and John is like the, the author of books. I mean, maybe just because I know John more from his books or mm -hmm. at least I, I don't know, or his books mm -hmm. somehow are more famous or I, I don't know. But in my mind, even which is so silly because they have so much overlap and stuff they do together anyways, but I just think of John as the author. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It makes no sense. Makes no sense. I mean, stereotypically speaking, he is because he is more likely to want to be kind of shut in a room by himself to just get to write. And Hank is more of the techie guy. He will admit to being much more technologically savvy than his brother, which again is only ironic because 
both of them are equally online in their own ways. So yeah. it's not like John's incapable of using a computer, <laughs> but I think John would is... be more than happy to like project that image <laughs> yeah well because if you listen to their podcast which we talked about previously um dear hank and john they will sometimes talk about things and yeah sometimes it becomes clear that i think hank is more sort of tech savvy than john mm-hmm. so that makes sense i suppose yep. yeah but yeah it was a nice surprise and i mean they're a very talented family mm-hmm for sure. And I assume that John was very supportive of Hank. I think I've heard an interview where John even was like, no, you need to write this book. Like, go do, be. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I think they are very supportive of each other. And I don't know, Hank right now has cancer. And so there's been so much of that. And John talking on their last podcast that they did together I was like almost bawling Mm -hmm. and also I think it was actually in that conversation they were talking about that apparently for a long time they wanted to write a book together and they were saying that now this might actually be an opportunity where they could do that because Mm -hmm. Hank obviously has to step back from a lot of his responsibilities and John is taking over quite a bit of stuff and some of the things they're just not sure even what's going to happen with them because it sort of depends on what Hank is up to because they thankfully are in the position where they don't have to force anything Mm -hmm. and so they're just going to kind of play it by ear but one of the things that came up was that Hank was like oh maybe we could work on that that book and John is like Mm -hmm. yes and then Hank was like but wait why is that different than when I thought about starting this brand new um newsletter that you nixed right away (laughs) John's like because with the newsletter there's like pressure and it's going to be ongoing and because it's you it will last forever he's like (laughs) you have to see the difference when we're talking about this book where there's zero pressure you can do it if you want to because it's just kind of a fun sort of passion project but there also is an end to it it doesn't even have to happen no one's waiting on it it's just if we want to and can and he was like okay I guess you're right (laughs) so but yeah it's just the whole thing is sort of is sort of crazy but it would be amazing if Hank was able to write some more because I mean he's so busy and doing so much stuff and so I mean I knew he was busy and doing so much stuff but again John is taking over a lot of stuff for Hank and them talking about how much stuff and John being like I I've just started to try to pick up your stuff and you've still been doing half or more of it and I don't even I already am overwhelmed and don't know how you do it all so he's like I don't know how you can write a book and do all this other stuff and Hank was kind of like yeah me either (laughs) and look I did two of them (laughs) yeah so it would be I would like to see if he could do more I mean, I think he could equally be as popular as John Green, you know, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I these mean, two books in are the fantastic. Sector, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The first book was, is really focused on, like, the individual impact of social media. And then the second book is really focused on social media companies. 
on a much larger scale. So I think you're right. I think he could eat be just as beloved if we use that of an author as John. I kind of think I would like if these were made into a movie or a series or something, mm-hmm. especially with the giant Carls. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see that. Yes. I feel like I could see and, it. And also, I mean, I don't want to give away too much of the book, but in the second book, a lot of what's going on there, seeing how that would be created sort of for a movie or a series or something would be really interesting mm-hmm. and really cool, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Book two reminded me a little, it's like, they're very different, but there's something reminiscent of the Maze Runner series and particularly those movies. And so I feel like that leads me to believe that it would be possible to do his books as movies or TV shows and do them well. Yeah. I also got a little I haven't read the books, but it's still maybe from the movie or whatever also made me think a little bit of like Ready Player One, which did really mm. well. Those books And so, so that, good. again, where I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it, it could be a really good, I mean, I kind of say movie, but then I feel like it has to be either multiple movies, which is why maybe a series would be better, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if it was just like a limited series, not necessarily like ongoing, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I think it could be really good if it was on the screen in some form. Yeah. I wonder if the movie rights have been purchased. Yeah. I don't know. I hope so. The only thing I can find on Hank Green and the movie is that in 2020, he hadn't sold the movie rights. But now he's waiting until he finished the sequel. But there has, there's no internet updates to that question lame but it's 2023 mm-hmm. so maybe he's done it now yeah i'm gonna hope although if he hasn't even if he sold the rights if they aren't making it yet probably still a few years away unfortunately i hate how yeah. long it takes like i mean i get it but I, it, I hate how long it takes for things to be like made and even once they're made to then get them out to the public and stuff Mm-hmm. Again, I get it. There is a lot of work and stuff, but and things to consider. But I'm like, just give it to us now. I want it now. Uh, I don't know that I have that much more to say. The Carls was really, really good. I really loved it. I love the Carls themselves, the like giant transforming formery guys. It's freaking mm-hmm. awesome. Um, like I said, Hank Green was such a surprise as an author in the best possible way. So talented not related to writing books but I love him I love him on the <laughs> podcast I love him online he's so smart he's really funny I enjoy like all of his content I wish him well obviously it kind of sucks that he has to deal with cancer mm-hmm. even though thankfully he has a I mean as good as you can hope for I suppose type but still not fun but definitely still looking forward to whatever him and John put out they're Mm -hmm. the best yeah Wikipedia has some publication history on the first book and it's really cute so I guess Hank was originally going to write a graphic novel but then he turned it into a regular novel and he was inspired by Dune and um and Michael Connelly's series starring the character Harry Bosch so that's interesting But then to promote the book, John Green 
started a surprise campaign to promote Hank's novel. So he rented several billboards. Um, He sponsored four robotics teams. (laughs) And then a college rugby club in Montana. Oh, he also sponsored a college rugby club in Montana. And found a way um, of making an absolutely remarkable thing the official training kit sponsor of AFC Wimbledon. Because of course he did. <laughs> that is amazing. But yes, of course he did. I love everything about that. That's so amazing. Oh, man. So if you haven't seen or heard John and Hank uh, show every week, they give an update on AFC Wimbledon and then an update on Mars. So, of course, John Green would find a way to bring Wimbledon into. <laughs> well, and I'm sure you can guess which one gives which update. So. <laughs> It makes sense now. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I know we didn't talk a lot about plot of the book, but it's almost like any plot you give away is giving something away. And so I don't want to talk about plot. It's just the plot is delightful. It's interspersed with great characters. You see real depth in these characters. You feel disappointment in them when they do things that you're like, seriously that's how you're going to treat people okay um but you're also like so proud of them when they make good and healthier and better decisions you're like okay you've learned yay um like the characters feel the age that the author has said that they are which is nice so yeah if you like science fiction at all if you like speculative fiction as i'm pretty sure that's the quote-unquote official category of the book uh, it's definitely worth reading and it is very applicable to life when it's with its connections to social media and then social media or Google like companies has like a little bit of the circle. If you've read that flair in book two. And then obviously if you've read Dune or if you like uh, Michael Connelly, those were influences. So definitely worth reading five stars agreed yeah very worthwhile (laughs) definitely five stars yeah and it feels like there's a lot of truth in it and Mm -hmm. yeah everything that you said I just totally agree with so definitely worth reading and like I said it was such a nice surprise because I didn't really know what to expect because again stupidly I just thought of John as the author Mm -hmm. but Hank Mm -hmm. Hank is definitely an author as well Mm -hmm. for sure for sure there was a somebody on like Reddit or something as I was doing some research that was like, we really want this to become a book or a movie, excuse me. And then we want Hank to come on and say, like, point out all the scientific inaccuracies of his own book. <laughs> yes, that would be awesome, especially because he talked about on the podcast when he read things um like Project Hail Mary and mm-hmm. helped make sure that that was accurate. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, that would be amazing. I'm there yes. for that. Yes, I thought that was a great comment. I'm sorry, I didn't actually yeah. see who wrote it, but it wasn't me. So <laughs> that's good, though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely read it. And I'll be interested to read anything else that Hank Green puts out. So, mm-hmm. all right. Do you want to tell us why you can't stop thinking about kind versus nice? Yeah, so it's just an interesting idea that came across um, 
well, it came into my consciousness through a podcast I was listening to. It was actually about like pedagogy and teaching. And someone has decided that their pedagogy of teaching is to always remember to be kind. And they are from the Midwest and they were talking about how there is this idea of the Midwest niceness. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, that's totally true. Like people in the Midwest are more likely to like open a door for you or let you cut in front of them in line. Like we just have this, I don't know, like attitude almost that's been, you just learn it from being in the Midwest really, where you just allow some things to kind of pass or roll off. You just don't worry about it. And it's not that that isn't kind because it is, but it's also something we've just kind of learned and been taught. It is something that you do just to be nice to other people. Um, and it's not really about you at all. And her thought was, you know, she can be nice to her students, but that's more of a performative act. Or she can be kind to her students. And when she talked about being kind to her students, that like rephrased or kind of reframed her entire teaching understanding. So she, when she it was just about being nice to students, it, she found she still felt that the students were going to take advantage of her in one way, shape, or form. Um, you know, in this day and age, you would talk about like using chat GPT instead of writing your own paper or, you know, other forms of cheating or lying about the reason in which you didn't submit your work and then asking for more time and getting more time when they didn't actually need or deserve it, so to speak, although they obviously needed it. Um, but maybe the rationale for needing it is, you know, a little less healthy, one can just say. Um, but when she thought about being kind to her students, she realized that kindness was about more than just a performative act. It was about understanding like her choice to be kind to her students meant she stopped seeing her students as someone who would potentially lie to her and start seeing them as people who were probably always telling the truth. And there was no reason to believe they were lying until evidence came up to show otherwise. And so this idea that kindness was a reflection of who she was in being kind to herself and then reflecting that to her students and vice versa. And it was just something interesting to me that I'd never thought about the difference between kindness and niceness, but we obviously have different words for it. And so just really interesting about like there is something about being nice to people, but there's also something deeper about can you be kind to others? And I really like that distinction. Yeah, I like that too. That's not something I had ever really considered before, but it actually makes a lot of sense. And I totally see now that we're discussing it, the distinction between them, especially when you are talking about sort of niceness in the kind of way that you would sort of the Midwestern niceness, for example, mm -hmm. because you could have a lot of people who would just do that as sort of a learned habit. And it's not that it isn't nice. It is nice, right. but it's more like you've learned really great manners then right. you actually are actively choosing to be kind to somebody mm -hmm. and obviously that doesn't mean that people can't do both oh, or absolutely. that right you know opening They're a door for somebody the same in a lot can't of ways be kind mm -hmm. but there is like a lot of different or can be a lot of different intention and in how you you know approach those and how you 
you do those. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, I hadn't really considered that, but I do see that distinction and I kind of like it. That is really mm-hmm. interesting. And then it makes you want to actively try to be kind and think mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just puts a different lens on things, you know, behaviorally speaking, they're going to look the same, whether or not you're being kind or being nice, like the action is probably going to be the same. Um, but if you kind of cultivate kindness, niceness might come more easily. Yeah. Well, because it would be a lot easier to just be nice than to actually be kind. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, like you said, in some ways they can look the same because again, if you're talking about opening a door or just saying hi to somebody or, you know, letting them cut you in line for something, then obviously that's going to look sort of the same. But kindness, I think, could also go a lot farther. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sort of also affect more, like, be more in your personality, I suppose, in a way as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It's really interesting. I like that. Yeah, me too. And I like it in, in the context of teaching because, like, I've gone so far as to, like, I don't need to know why you need the extension. Just tell me you need it as like my kindness is like and that also is it helps it's being kind to myself because like when my students told me they couldn't submit the work because they had to go to prom I was really annoyed (laughs) I was like I really wish you had just said you need more time and let me infer that the reason was that (laughs) prom was Was something more (laughs) important than something that was planned for a really long time that you knew about and should have been able to work around and exactly and so it is being kind both to myself and to my students to have to have the like what I'm trying to teach them is for them just to say, these are the expectations that aren't going to be met. And this is when I can meet them and not tell me why, but also to help them with that experience. Because even with like friendships and family, like sometimes you just need to be able to say, I won't be there. And you don't need to explain why, because maybe the, the why is going to lead to some big fight, which maybe you need to have, but maybe you don't, maybe it's like politics are different you know, I just don't feel accepted by my family. They don't, they probably already know that and you don't need to be having that conversation. It is just kinder to say, I won't be there. And then don't provide a rationale why. Like, don't say like, I won't be there because you suck. Like that might be the truth, <laughs> but it's not. You know, but you don't need to kind. say it. Um, yeah. And so. But sometimes there doesn't even have to be a good reason. Right. Maybe you're just not feeling in a place to be able to fulfill a responsibility Mm -hmm. and that takes the pressure off by not having to tell somebody why you need that Mm -hmm. agreed do you want to tell us all about what goes into the passports so the reason I can't stop thinking about passports is because we're working on getting Ronan's passports and he's a lucky baby yeah (laughs) and he has dual citizenship so we have to try to get a UK passport and a US passport. And we actually are super excited because we found out that his UK passport has been approved and is being printed. So Yay. that should get mailed to us basically any day now. So we're super excited about that. So my baby already has one passport. 
And then the US one is a bit harder because we have to do it through the embassy. And because he is born abroad to American parents, he obviously is American, but we have to like officially declare his birth through the embassy and Mm -hmm. then apply for his passport at the same time. So there's a lot more paperwork in that. The UK one was a lot easier, which is why we started with that because we just got to do it online. Mm -hmm. We just had to, you know, fill out some paperwork. paperwork. (laughs) Right, give them, you know, the information of us as his parents and then send in his birth certificate um we were a little bit worried about his picture because we were able to take it at home because he's a baby but that doesn't mean that they had to accept it and but thankfully they did so um we thought we did pretty well especially because his eyes were open Mm -hmm. because babies don't even technically have to have their eyes open and their head doesn't even necessarily have to be like straight for the camera but it's really hard because when you upload it online even though you've clicked that it's for a baby, it still just grades Gives it you as all those it's instructions. an adult one mm-hmm. and it's like, this won't pass. And you're like, and then it's like, explain why you still want to use it. And so you're just like, okay. He's a baby. Well, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a baby. Cause you know, uh, you know, like I said, his eyes didn't even have to be open. We, like I said, we thought we did pretty well because we got one with his eyes open, but we were still a little bit worried. So we were thankful that that all worked out and we didn't have to retake his picture and so now we're working on all the paperwork for the U.S. embassy and we have an appointment because you have to go in person to London so it's a really big thing because not only will it make him you know I mean he is American but like officially officially sort of Mm -hmm. declared um and you know get his passport government approved so to speak but (laughs) it'll also be our first trip with him so it's gonna be a short one but first train trip you know first traveling so it's gonna be pretty big for all of us but we're very excited to get it done and then once we have the passports then in theory we can we can travel come visit Auntie Megan I didn't have my first passport till I was 18 because I had never had a reason to try Mm -hmm. you know to travel outside of the U.S. because my parents didn't have theirs either my parents got theirs once I moved. That was when mm-hmm. they got their passports. But so I had my first passport at 18, and he's going to have two passports probably mm-hmm. by the time he's four months. Aww. So that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. But he's mm-hmm. going to have to be a world traveler because obviously everyone, all the families spread out. So we won't have any choice but to, you know, to travel. So, which is right. both exciting and overwhelming to think about taking him on a plane (laughs) yep so but we'll do it once and then you know it'll be fine I think it's more the the unknown in the first time that is Mm -hmm. probably the the worst so yeah but you you can't if you don't do the planes on the planes trains and automobiles it's just trains and automobiles yep so you gotta do the plane part yep also I'm looking forward to getting him on planes young because I don't want him to be nervous about travel. So, I mean, cause I can do travel, but like I was pretty old by the time I actually went on a plane for mm-hmm. the first time. Um, well, and I was 18 before I went internationally, like on a, a really big flight. Mm-hmm. And so I, again, I can fly, but it's not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. It does give me like some anxiety. I don't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea that he could be more like a mirror who 
had his first passport, I think at more like nine months or something. But Aww. again, because they had international family, right? they, you know, he had a passport young and they were always flying and Amir has no issues flying, like nothing faces oh, yeah. him. It's like totally all chill and fine, which yeah. is part of why I like traveling with him as well, because that keeps me calm. Mm-hmm. But so I look forward to hopefully having that be the case for Ronan because he mm-hmm. will be a seasoned traveler and yeah. I will hide my anxiety, which I <laughs> attempt to do anyways. I don't, I don't think most people know that I'm not very thrilled when I'm flying, but mm-hmm. I will obviously try to hide that from him so that he doesn't feel that. And hopefully he'll be an expert before we know it. Yeah. Flying is the best. Yeah. I love flying. (laughs) Well, if you're fighting sleeping, we have said that this one has a black belt in sleep fighting, which I thought was super cute because he is really good at fighting sleep. Like, he can do it for hours. It's impressive. You feel bad for Shoshin Amir, but it's impressive, Ronan. It is impressive. Yeah. Yep, you're an expert. Yeah. So if you're tired and cranky, or if you've had multiple passports, or if you are going to practice kindness, let us know. You can reach out to us at apartment29a on Instagram. That's apartment spelled all the way out, 29a. Or our Gmail account is apt29a at gmail.com. Have a great week, everyone. Get some sleep. Bye.